What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Babbles Nonsense podcast. Today, um, we're just going to do the continuation of last week's episode where I talked about Ozempic, which is also some glutatide semaglutide, however you want to say it. It's a GLP-1 medication. I had a few questions um, from people in the DMs. So we're just going to continue that topic. So if you're interested, stay tuned. guys I just want to say thank you so much for reaching out and being positive about last week's podcast because I actually was very nervous about it um yes obviously I share a lot of things because I have a podcast doesn't necessarily mean I have to but because there's so much stigma around ozempic and semaglutide however you want to say that word I think I mispronounced it last week on the podcast um I was just super nervous about it so thank you for just being kind. And I did get a few more questions about it since I did share the story. So I wanted to touch on those briefly and make this a short podcast, kind of like a follow-up podcast. But I want to say first and foremost, this is not intended to be medical advice or to replace the advice of your doctor. Yes, I am medical, but I'm not an expert in this medication. Um, I only know what I've researched myself, whether that be reading articles, you know, talking to my doctor, listening to podcasts from experts who know this medications, reading from endocrinologists, which are um, doctors who treat diabetics. And of course, good old TikTok, you know, can't not find good research there. (laughs) So I wanted to touch on a few more questions that I had and touch on a few biggest points that I don't think that I drove all the way home on last week's episode. So I'm going to get into that now. So from what I understand about this medication, obviously it helps you release more insulin to push glucose into your cells. That's why it helps diabetics so well is because we all have this hormone in our body. So if you don't know, Ozempic, semaglutide, Manjaro, well, Manjaro is a little bit different, so I don't want to classify it, um, is a GLP-1 medication. How Manjaro is different is that it's a GLP-1, GLP-2, so it hits different receptor sites. And supposedly, don't quote me on this, it was just something I listened to on a podcast, that they're coming out with another medication next year that's GLP-1, GLP-2, and the glucagon receptor, which is supposed to be even better than Manjaro with less side effects. So we'll see. But the reason why these are life-changing drugs, I mean, they're obviously helping diabetics, but they truly are helping diabetics like drop their hemoglobin A1C, which is the measure of how your glucose has been doing over time. And it's also reversing like cardiovascular events and obviously helping people lose weight, which is the biggest thing. So once these diabetics started losing weight, people then were like, well, how can we market this for weight loss? Because obesity is an epidemic. And I say that kindly, like, I don't, I want to say this with the utmost respect and compassion because I've even changed my thoughts around this after listening to several article or listening to several podcasts and reading several articles and kind of going through it myself. Like we all used to say, I even used to say it like, well, if you know, if you just ate less or if you ate better or maybe moved more, maybe you could lose weight. And most of the time that is true for some, but that's not always true for everyone. And I was case in point, an example of that. When I got 
diagnosed with my thyroid issues and I gained 20 pounds. And then I was like, even putting in overtime at the gym, you know, working out twice a day, eating as little as possible, which was also wreaking havoc on my metabolism, which we're going to get to. That's one of the points I want to get to. Um, and still nothing was happening. And like, I remember going to an endocrinologist who did not take any kind of history from me, didn't ask me, what's your workouts? What's your, you know, how much are you moving? What's your step count? Are you sleeping well? What's your dietary needs? No questions were asked. All that was asked was, well, if, or all that was said was, if you want to lose weight, maybe you should work out and eat less. And that's when I had a real big, like a big shift because I was one of those people that said that. And then that was one of my, you know, had a shift that was like, you know, sometimes it's not just that simple. Sometimes it's medication related. It's a side effect of a medication. Sometimes you have hormone imbalances that you don't even realize you're having. And then there's a lot of issues with metabolic dysfunction. And I've talked to my doctor about this because I was kind of going through it myself with being pre-diabetic when I eat, ate very well and worked out and we were both shocked. Trust me. We were like, what is going on? And he was like, you know, there really is an epidemic and I truly think it's the food sources. It's not the same as it once was. Yes, you may be eating healthy, but that doesn't mean that your glucose isn't spiking for whatever reason, which like I talked, I touched a little bit on the episode last week, how your thyroid does control insulin production and hormone levels. And we know that my thyroid is fucked up. <laughs> so that's probably the reason, but we still haven't found the root cause. We're getting there. We're getting there. But we all know with our food sources, eating habits, chemical exposure, um, toxin exposure, and just not having nutrients that we should have in our diets, which is to nobody's fault, really, unless you're truly not eating any kind of vegetable or whole foods. (laughs) Um, But it's because there's micronutrient depletion in the soil, like We don't rotate crops like we used to or used to have to. We plant a crop in the same space year after year after year, and it's taken all the micronutrients. So by the time you eat that sweet potato, by the time you eat that broccoli, it really, at the end of the day, has nothing in it. I mean, it's still, don't get me wrong, don't take that with a grain of salt. Like, it's still obviously better for you than other options. I'm just saying it doesn't have the same micronutrient profile as it did probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. But with all that said, most of us are starting to suffer from some type of metabolic metabolic dysfunction or hormone dysfunction, and especially thyroid dysfunction in some way or another. And I'm not saying all of us, I'm saying when I say most, I'm saying like there's a lot of underdiagnosed um, issues and there's like an epidemic of it. And my doctors even said like he's seen an increase in it. But you can read up on all that if you want to. But regardless, the first question that I had was, did I take the quote, easy quote way out? Was this your first choice? So let me make it very clear that taking this medication was not my first choice. I had already tried everything possible. I tried every day, every week, (laughs) reading something different from the age of 22 when I got diagnosed with my thyroid stuff. I read every book possible Um, I listened to every podcast, I hired a nutrition coach, I hired a fitness coach, I cut calories, I added calories, I stopped working out, I only went walking, then I did weightlifting, then I did hit cardio, then I tried CrossFit, I ate more protein, less protein, tried to sleep more, anything you could honestly think of, I truly did try it over the past 10 years. But I still was having a lot of difficulty losing weight, and now... 
like now I know more information now and they call it weight loss resistance. And it has a lot to do with this metabolic dysfunction, thyroid hormone triad that we're having going on. But I worked, um, you know, endlessly with nutrition coaches and they were even like, something is not right. Like you should be able to eat these many calories with as much as you're moving and just something wasn't right. So no, long story short, it was not an easy way out for me. It was something that I truly had to think about after many, many years of going through it. Um, because it wasn't something that I was just like, Oh yeah, let me take that medication because we don't know the repercussions of this medication long term. Like we have no idea. And being metal, medical, sometimes that's a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. Because when you know things, sometimes you're more hesitant or you honestly think you have everything known to man and become a hypochondriac. I'm not saying I'm a hypochondriac, but I'm just saying. You start thinking like, oh, what, what, what is that? Um, because m- my questions were like, is this going to shut down my own GLP hormone production that I have, you know, in my body? Is it, is it going to make me lose too much weight? Is it even going to work? Is it going to cause me to become hypoglycemic? Is it going to cause me to produce too much insulin? Is it going to, I don't know, like <laughs> make me grow two heads? Like I had all these questions and was very hesitant before I even tried it. So it wasn't a quote unquote easy way out for me. It was something that it was almost a last resort. And when my friends come to me and tell me that they're thinking about starting this medication, I do sit down and have conversations with them like this. Speaking of sitting down and having conversations with my friends, um, something that I feel is very important for people who are either on this medication already, who are thinking about starting this medication, or maybe you're curious about this medication My biggest thing is if you do not have good eating habits prior to going on the medication and you are using it for a quote unquote easy way out, I say in the long run, I think that's where we're going to run into problems versus if you use, if you choose to utilize this medication as a tool in your toolbox to help you either obtain better eating habits while you're on it so that when you come off the medication, you've already developed those eating habits or, you know, you use it in that sort of fashion. And when I talk to my friends, like when people or people talk to me about nutrition and they're like, wow, you know, you eat really healthy. And like, how is it so easy for you? It's not easy for me. Like when it comes to like thoughts of food or wishing you were like wishing I could just do what everyone else does because of my hormones. But I will say it's easier for me because I've been doing it for so long. Like It's easier for me to be like, yeah, I don't mind eating this food. It tastes good to me. Like whether that be green beans, sweet potato and chicken, to me that tastes good because that's what I've known for several years. So the more time you spend with it, it just becomes habit, right? So we're kind of a product product of our upbringing and our environment. I did not grow up in a household where we ate healthy. I remember talking maybe three to four episodes back where I grew up where, you know, my mom cooked very unhealthy things, which I didn't realize were unhealthy because we don't know until we're taught. And I had a home ec, home ec teacher where I was trying to learn to cook in high school who was very into health and she was very health conscious. And that was my first learning experience with health and nutrition. And it kind of just snowballed into that. And I'll be very honest, had I not like gotten my thyroid issues and gained weight, because before my thyroid stuff, like I could pretty much, you know, I would gain weight, obviously, like anyone if I ate out or whatever, because I ate out in college, just like everyone else, and I would gain weight, but I could go to the gym and 
be like, okay, I'm going to eat healthy now. And it would come right off. But then after I got my thyroid issues, like it wasn't that simple. Like if I ate bad a few times, quote unquote bad, I hate saying good and bad, but y'all know what I mean. Unhealthy a few times, then it just would stay. It wouldn't go anywhere. So then I had to really hone in on it. And that's when I really dove, dove into nutrition. So it's been 13, 15 years since I've been doing this. So it gets easier the more you do it. It's kind of like anything. Like if you're used to reaching for something, you're just going to reach for it no matter what it is, right? So going back to what I was saying, like what I mean by better eating habits is what I mean like, okay, so if you already have a diet where it's high in saturated fat or you're eating out at restaurants all the time and you're not taking the measures to look and feel your best before taking the medication, then when you come off of it and you go back to doing that, that's where I think when people say that when you come off, you gain the weight plus some, that's going to happen. So take the time to just do your research and find out what's more nutritionally dense and more what's more nutritionally value so that when you do take this medication and you do lose the weight, which is obviously why you're taking it, then when you come off, you may gain a few pounds back because that's just inevitable because this medication is truly making you lose weight because of the insulin stuff, which I truly don't understand, to be honest with you. I try to understand it. I read articles on it. It's it's a lot. Um, but Trying to do that, I think, is one of the biggest things is just using it as a tool since it does quiet food noise. And what I mean by that is if you do obsessively think about food or if you're a binge eater, like I know that when I was hardcore dieting and macro counting and things like that, I did become obsessive about my food. And I wasn't even hungry. It was just that I was constantly weighing my food, logging my food. So then I was constantly thinking about it and it made me obsessed about it. And it quiet that food noise. Like I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, it's lunchtime. I wasn't even thinking about it. Whereas before I was like, after breakfast, I was like, what am I having for lunch again? You know what I'm saying? So it quiets that food noise. And some people do forget to eat, which that's my next point. So people do forget to eat on this medication because it truly does like give you no appetite. I think one article I read says that it can actually make your stomach distend. So your body thinks that you just ate. And that's how people are losing weight like super quick because they're also not eating. But what they're all, what's also happening is you're getting quote unquote ozempic face where you're losing a lot of fat and volume in your face. You're losing muscle tone. People's hair is falling out. And it's because you're n- not your, but because these people are not eating, they're not giving themselves any nutrition at all. Or they are surviving on a candy bar and sun drop. Because they're like, well, I'm losing weight. It doesn't matter if I have this. It doesn't matter if that makes sense. So the problem with that is when you undereat, like, like what your past, what your body actually needs. Like we do need calories to move, to breathe, to think, to use our brains and our organs to function. Like you can sit on the couch all day. We all have quote unquote, a metabolism. And what that is, is obviously your digestive process, your hair growing, your skin shedding, your organs working. That's your metabolism. And some yes, have faster than others. And that is genetic. Um, But we all have this set metabolism point where you can sit on the couch and literally do nothing but breathe and move and you need a certain amount of calories just to do that, which I know it's far-fetched for us to understand if you especially grew up in the 90s because we're all taught that doesn't exist but but it's true 
So when you under eat for a long amount of time, and this can be with or without the medication. So I did this. I under ate for a really long time when I was in college. um, And I talked about my disordered eating with that. But anyways, so if you under eat for a long amount of time, and then you come off this medication, and then you go back to eating what you normally did, like a normal amount of calories, which then becomes a substantial amount more than what you were eating while you were on the medication, then you in turn are going to gain more weight than you had previously lost. But that's with anyone with or without the medication. That's even if you're dieting for a long period of time and under eating for a long period of time. Because what that does is it slows that metabolism down like I talked about earlier. It says, hey, we don't need to grow our hair. We don't need to shed our skin. We need to focus on keeping our organs alive and keeping this body moving. So screw all that other stuff. Screw weight loss. We don't need to do that. We don't need to burn fat right now. We need to survive. And I'm going to give an example with calorie numbers just to kind of put it into more of a picture perspective. And I'm going to use easy numbers. So obviously this is not real life. But let's say that you were eating a thousand calories a day before you go on the medication, or if you're just dieting. So if this is just anyone who's just dieting. So let's say you were eating a thousand calories per day, which number one, let's just go ahead and say that's way under eating and nobody should be eating a thousand calories a day. But then you go on the medication and because you're not hungry, let's say you're eating 500 calories a day. And so now you're in a huge calorie deficit. You're in a 500 calorie deficit. And let's say you are on the medication for a year. And so you're only eating 500 calories for a year. Your body goes into what it thinks is starvation mode or a stress mode, spiked cortisol. Even though you don't feel hungry, your body still needs more calories to function. Going back to what we said, to move, to digest food, to grow hair, to shed skin, to move water through your organs. All those things require energy and calories are energy. So you come off the medication in a year because you stay in it in a year. And now obviously your appetite is back and you're like, well, I'll just go back to doing the thousand calories a day because that's what I was doing before. Well, now you're in a 500 calorie surplus. So you're going to gain weight quick because your body is like, oh, wow, this is a lot of calories coming at me real fast. And this is what I try to tell my clients when I was coaching them is that, you know, like I said, you have a certain amount of calories that you need just to sit on the couch and do nothing. And then you have what's called maintenance calories to maintain your weight. And it's higher than what a lot of people think. And again, that comes from years of thinking that we're supposed to eat a 1200 calorie diet being brainwashed from the 90s. So when I worked with my clients, I would never just say, oh, hey, yeah, here, here's 2000 calories. Here's 200 carbs. This is what the calculations say that you should be at until someone logged and tracked for a week. And because if my client came to me and said, hey, I've been eating a thousand calories. This is what I ate this week. And I've only ate a hundred carbs this week. And then I, and then I give them a 2000 calorie diet, which is a thousand calorie surplus. And then I give them 200 carbs, which is a hundred carb surplus. Of course, they're going to gain weight. It doesn't matter if that's what their body calculations need. They're under eating and their metabolism has slowed down to keep their body alive. So they're not, they're not going to be able to burn that off, even though that is what they actually need. 
So what you have to do is you have to reverse diet. You have to slowly increase those calories and carbs and fat and protein to what the set point actually is supposed to be. And yes, I guess you could maybe do that with the medication if you're under eating. But again, nobody knows. We don't, no one's done this yet. Um, so I'm not trying to say force feed yourself when you're taking the medication, but I really think you have to be cautious of what you are eating and how little you're eating, especially protein, because what it also does is it's also depleting muscle mass. And the reason why it's doing that is because number one, you're not feeding your muscles. And number two, people, obviously, if you're not working out, you're not building muscle, but there's fat in muscle. You can have fat in your muscle. And so this medication is targeting fat. So it's not going to know like, oh, there's fat right there, but let me take some muscle with it. So then you're losing muscle mass, which when you lose muscle mass, that is not a good thing, especially for women, because you know, it does help control glucose production. It does help metabolism. And as we get older, it helps prevent things like osteoporosis and whatnot. So you need to maintain that lean muscle mass. So when you do come off the medication, you have that lean muscle mass to still work with you. So what I listened to, I actually just listened to a really good podcast. It's um, the Thyroid Fixer podcast with Dr. Amy Horneman. And she had another lady on that they were talking about their experimentation with the medication. And they're very smart in hormone and all that stuff. And they talked about like definitely prioritizing protein when you're on this medication. Get that protein in because you need protein for hair growth. And I know a lot of women who are on this medicine that are like, yeah, my hair's thinning because they're malnourished at that point. Um, so my, my biggest, biggest takeaways in this episode that I wanted to touch on because of, those are most of the questions and I hope I answered everyone's question with this. If not, always DM me is try to make sure you know what you're eating and don't undereat. Try to use this medication as a tool in your toolbox to maybe get better eating habits or more healthy or more nutritious or whatever eating habits. And if you can, and you can afford it, work with a nutrition coach that you can use all of this and utilize it together so that you're not on the medication for life. And I think that's pretty much it. Just, just be cautious, be aware, do your own research, do your risk versus benefits analysis for yourself, talk to your doctor Um, And when I say do research, do really good research. And I hope this podcast was helpful. I just wanted to touch on that and drive it home a little bit because I know I had, you know, the questions and then I have friends that have came to me before and I always drive this home with them. I'm not against the medication. Obviously, I took it and I'm not telling anyone what to do with their body, how to, you know, how to go about their life. It's your journey. You know what you're on. Like I always say, do you boo? Like, seriously, whatever makes you happy in the long run. But I want to see you healthy and happy. And that's all I want to say about that. So I'll end it right there. And again, guys, if you have any more questions, then definitely shoot me a DM. But until next time, bye.